0: Welcome to the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one terrifying minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. We begin minute 13 mid-sentence, and we begin it with a guest, Andy Nelson from Next Real Film Podcast. Welcome, Andy. Hey, how are you? Doing good. Uh, Now, I want to get to some more general stuff about you and horror films and Halloween in a moment. Sure. Uh, as you're my first guest. But you'll see the segue will be amazing <laughs> later. Uh, uh, first, let's start with a minute at hand. Uh, minute 13 begins with Morgan Strode. Laurie's father has just come out of the Strode house and is calling after Laurie as she walks away. He is played by Peter Griffith.
1: Yeah, Peter Griffith. He's... um. Uh, he was married to uh, Tippy Hedren. Oh, is he Melanie Griffith's father? One of the, uh, I think, four or five wives. Yeah, he's wow. Melanie Griffith's father. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Um, so they had. Uh, uh, although by this time he had, he was divorced um, with his second wife, and he had not yet remarried. So, um, but yeah, uh, Melanie Griffith's dad. Which I didn't. I don't know if I ever realized that her dad also acted. Although. Technically, I guess that's a really loose term, since there's hardly any uh, stuff that he had actually been in other than this. And I think there was a TV show that he was in um, very briefly. Yeah, he did it. Here it is. He did a TV show in the '50s, um, early '50s, when he was 18. A TV series called The Aldrich Family, where he met his first wife, 21-year-old Tippy Hedren. So, so it's
0: another connection back to Hitchcock from this movie, because Jamie Lee Curtis is mother was in psycho
1: oh there it is yeah and
0: several characters are named after characters from psycho
1: very interesting yeah john carpenter clearly uh is a is a fan of the genre and yeah definitely uses that as he's um creating his content
0: he also i talk about this i think in a later minute more he names a lot of characters after characters from other things and people he knows so, like, in The Fog, there's a character named Dan O'Bannon, who he worked with on Dark Star, and they went to USC together.
1: And isn't there a character in—is it The Fog that also has a character in Nick Castle? Yes. So, yeah.
0: Named after Nick Castle, who's in this, yeah. There's another one, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I wonder if they do the same thing, there's a John Carpenter in their movies.
1: I don't know if I've ever heard a John Carpenter character. His name is so... Maybe a carpenter. Yeah, a carpenter. There you go. John, the carpenter.
0: One of the Halloween (laughs) comics, I think, has a Dr. Carpenter at the
1: sanitarium. Oh, nice. Now, when did the comics come out? The Chaos comics came
0: out, Chaos is the publisher, uh, around 2000. It was after Halloween 6. And then I think they came out about the same time that H20 came out. Because they directly tie into the plot of H20 and make an effort to connect Uh, the new timeline with the old one. But then part of what's in them gets contradicted when Resurrection comes out
1: (laughs) as the sequel to H20.
0: And then there was a later comic called Night Dance, which doesn't connect directly to much of the movies it's more tangential
1: interesting it was more of a comic series it wasn't like adaptations of the films
0: no it wasn't there's scenes from the films in there but it was a new story
1: gotcha interesting i've never picked up the comics
0: about actually it's about tommy doyle the little boy that laurie babysits He's a main character in Halloween 6. Oh. You said you hadn't seen that one. I haven't, right. But he's the main character. He's like a grown-up. And so he's the main character of the Chaos Comics Halloween series. Oh, okay. And it's like ties in the gap of time between that and H20.
1: Very cool. Do they have the same actor come back? Because we, we get to meet Tommy in this in this minute here. No, no.
0: Uh, Brian Andrews, I believe, went on to be a police officer. Oh. The one who plays Tommy here. And Paul Rudd plays oh. him in, in Halloween How 6. How funny. I believe it's Paul Rudd's first film,
1: or his first big wow. film. Wow, the Ant Man himself. There it is. So, so Brian Andrews. I, well, I'm jumping ahead in the minute. That's okay. He had so he had acted for a, a while, uh, I guess, kind of a kid actor, and then I guess it was probably once he was done with that that he must have become the cop then, because he was. It looks like he acted all the way through 1987's Three O'clock High before he kind of left acting until recently. Yeah, and you said 87, so he'd yeah. have been,
0: yeah, that'd be be around 18. Yeah.
1: So I guess he acted until he was an adult. Huh. And then he's probably very uh, popular on the uh convention circuit now. I don't
0: know if he goes to many cuz maybe as a cop he's been busy, but he was definitely at the one. There's a documentary where they show Jamie that Curtis went to one a while back and he was at that one. Gotcha. Cuz it was a big event cuz she doesn't go to them very often.
1: I see. Well, He certainly seems to, uh, if you look him up online, he certainly seems to be happy to take photos um, if you come up to him because there's a lot of pictures of him with with Michael Myers. Yeah. A bunch of the people from this seem really nice. Yes. When it comes to that. Well, it's one of those films where it's like, you know, it's got that indie vibe. And I know Carpenter had kind of been uh, added already for a little while, but it still feels like he was working kind of that low budget world. And I think a lot of people who were in those early films that ended up kind of, Um, making it big, well, the film made it big. I mean, they're just kind of happy to have been a part of it. And so, yeah, I I would be completely thrilled to just, uh, you know, still talk with people. Yeah, the
0: cast and crew were working out of a Winnebago (laughs) as, like, their home office. And they got together and cleaned up the Myers house for the opening scene as the last thing they filmed. Like, they painted it. They put the furniture in there got all together and had a good time. So funny. Before we get to even anything happening, just a reminder, I think I mentioned this last minute, but we are on Oak Street in Haddonfield, Illinois, fictional, but on Oxley Street in South Pasadena, California, right across the street from the Public Library That's where they're filming.
1: Now, this is a good moment to look at fall in Pasadena versus (laughs) fall in California. Yes. Illinois. Uh, I I was torn looking at this, uh, the start of this shot. If these are um, just, you know, natural leaves that had fallen from the trees that they just decided not to clean up to give it more of an autumnal look, or if they actually spread them out a little bit.
0: They are not only (laughs) fake leaves, they're fake leaves that they painted brown. (laughs) Then they would drop them on the ground for a scene, film, put them in a bunch of trash bags, and take them to the next place they needed them.
1: That is awesome. Yeah.
0: I believe there's one scene in the movie where you can actually see brown trees,
1: but those brown leaves are all over the place. Well, uh, there's not a ton of them. Like they didn't do a, a great job of no. getting them scattered. Now, granted, I mean, we're looking at some fairly wide shots here. Yeah. That's the problem.
0: Yeah. Some of the shots, it works great. But like when Lori gets picked up by Annie later, she walks past a bunch of leaves on the ground and sits down. Next yard over has no leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like you can t- you can see a line where it may- maybe they didn't think it was going to be in the shot. And so they just didn't put any over there. You
1: know, they do a really good job, though. Well, at least in this first minute, they do a good job of not showing palm trees. Like they found a good stretch here. Because, you know, you're, you're in L.A., I'm in Phoenix. We have palm trees everywhere. Yeah. And I think I only catch... One glimpse of a palm tree, but not in this minute. I think this minute actually is pretty solid with uh, kind of a palm tree list.
0: Actually, this minute is where I noted the palm trees. This minute is? Yeah. This
1: minute. Oh, way in the back. Way, way in the back. Second 42
0: when Tommy walks up.
1: Right. Yep. I see him now. Yep. I was looking close at all the tree trunks because there's one like right in front of the Michael Myers house. (laughs) I
0: actually didn't notice that one. (laughs) Which we'll see in the next minute. Yeah. They do a good job of staying away from like being close to a palm tree. So, but they show up in the background. Yeah.
1: Now, did you know that her dad's car was Carpenter's car? I didn't like, know that until was I heard John it in Carpenter's the commentary track. Old car. Yeah. yeah. It was his... Was it some yeah? Just a real, but man, it goes to uh show what was popular in the late seventies. That is like one dark brown big car. <laughs> it is a Cadillac Fleetwood. There it is. Yes, it belonged to John Carpenter.
0: The one one car for sure that is didn't belong to anyone was the station wagon that they used. They rented it and didn't even tell the rental agency they were using it for a movie. Uh-huh. Even though they installed the gate inside it to divide the first row from the second and put a seal on the door, but they didn't tell anyone.
1: One. <laughs> I guess as long as you're returning it with all that stuff out of it, right? Yeah. As long as you don't damage it with that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the um, the locations here. So, you know, you, you pointed out where the house was that uh, Lori lived. Yeah. This is 1115 Oxley Street. How well did they map out, like, her path? Like, because, you know, in film, you can, <laughs> like, buried. one street can be completely not connected to the other, but the magic of the movies makes it look like they're connected. So when we cut to the next shot of her kind of walking across the street, this is a totally different spot. It is. Well, she walks
0: East on Oxley. That's the street she comes out on
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and she turns South on diamond Avenue. And now three seconds later, she is, it's like half a mile North going the opposite direction West. Uh And for listeners who have listened to minute one, where she comes around the corner is magnolia street which is right where that tree that my sisters and i were talking about that always made us think that michael myers was standing there behind a tree (laughs) it's right around that corner ah fun memories as a kid yes and my sister's in-laws lived in that house right there so we saw that tree all the time and we're little kids who watched halloween this tree looked like a shoulder of a person standing behind it like the trunk was just misshapen and especially at night it's like you didn't even want to walk in that yard
1: this is the one right on the corner with kind of the the angled sidewalk going up to it. It's it's actually like the third house in. It's it'll be
0: it's where I stood when they filmed a scene for Halloween 2. But I'll get to that when I get to Halloween 2 in many weeks. Very cool. So, when I was 5 years old. <laughs> oh my
1: goodness. I can't imagine watching these <laughs> I can't imagine showing either of my kids who are seven and 11 this movie. I think they'd have nightmares for weeks. I know my son would. Oh, I'm sure I had nightmares, <laughs> <laughs> but then when we'd rent other horror films, I'd be like, yeah, I want to watch it. It's funny. Kids can sometimes take it. Like my son sat with me and again, he's seven. He sat next to me and watched Winchester, which is the recent film with um, uh, kind of the haunted house one about that crazy house in California that the lady kept building and building. And he, he had no problems with that, and I'm like, Why are you this is a haunted house? Why are you fine with this? But you know, <laughs> it, it, sometimes it's just it's what you don't know what it is that's gonna kind of spook a kid,
0: yeah. It'll be certain kinds of movies like it, at that age. The things that bothered me were stuff about like nuclear war, yeah, because you know, it was the end of the cold war.
1: Horror films like this, they bothered me in a different way. Mm-hmm. You must have loved what was it, the day after,
0: yes, the day after, uh-huh. <laughs> especially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the Myers house is five and a half blocks from Laurie's house in reality, not in Haddonfield.
1: And she's on her way to school, but she's taking an alternate yeah. route. As Well, I guess we'll find that out yeah. soon. But, uh, but yeah, so this is not her normal route to school, no. but this, this is kind of a big moment though, because we're. This is, you know, kind of the minute where we really start to get to know um, Lori, which, you know, I mean, I know you kind of met her in the last minute, but this is really it. And it's interesting. I was watching this and I didn't realize how we don't really get like a good shot of her, like kind of that establishing protagonist shot at any point in. No, we're looking at her from far away when she comes out of the house. Yeah. And then we kind of follow her. She, we see her. I mean, we're kind of assuming that she's going to be a a, a protagonist because we're following her. Right. But she goes, you know, across the street and everything. And and we don't really get to spend much time with her until after she's kind of hooked up with Tommy.
0: Yeah, even the first scene, she walks away from us. Yeah. You know, she comes out of the house and walks past us in a way. But then we're with her on another street. We assume she's the lead. Yeah. Right. Although she hasn't done much yet.
1: No, she hasn't, other than walk away. I have, a,
0: I have a note here from the novelization. As she's walking to the Myers house, she is thinking about Judith's murder because, like, she knows about th- that that happened in this house and uh, the potential buyers that she's dropping off the keys for are a couple from New York. Who was the quote? They thought the idea of a haunted house was charming, and something they could boast about.
1: Ooh! So a couple from New York are coming to buy the house. Sounds like the, the first season of American. Yeah, uh,
0: American Horror Story. Yeah. Yeah, American Horror Story. Right and maybe if she hadn't walked by the house they would have shown up and they would have gotten killed yeah but- it's
1: interesting uh I, well i guess we'll talk about that in in future minutes um kind of the, that kind of this is really these this next kind of chunk of minutes is really where we kind of where everybody kind of comes together and it's it's uh, it's nice to see how all of these threads all of a sudden come crashing together so quickly
0: especially when you look at this movie by itself like without the sequels like the second one where she's his sister now yeah right and stuff like that the only reason he has to go after her is because she steps on his porch
1: yeah which i find so interesting that that's it that's the only thing that really kind of connects her to him so interesting now we get some uh, we get a nice little dose of uh Carpenter music also in this minute which is nice. Yeah. He's a he's one of those great auteurs who I think, you know, I mean his music is uh, I I had an issue with his music for the longest time and then I um just I I went through all of his films and I watched all of them and I kind of really kind of started falling for just kind of the simplicity of his music and then I saw his concert when he came through here. How was it that? Two years ago now? And, uh, you know, there's something about it that I think that he just, he really was able to tap into something with the score for this film in particular that um, gives it such a sense of presence. And it's very simple. But. You know, and I heard that when they first cut this film together, they did a, a test screening without the music that because he hadn't finished it or something, or it was different music, I'm not exactly sure, and audiences were bored, they thought it was just horrible, and he came up with the music because he was trying to find something that would help. Yeah alleviate that kind of his fear of an audience being bored in his movie and yeah and it really clicked i mean it's it's just such an iconic score now and there's a stretch of movie here for like 30 minutes
0: where very little happens if you're looking for a horror film or a slasher film this kind of predates most slasher films but if you're looking for that yeah you're going to get bored if the music doesn't draw you in or the characters don't draw you in
1: yeah right so we meet tommy here we get to see the two of them come together and i couldn't help but think how funny it was and i don't know if it was just the young actor or if it was the way that carpenter directed it but i swear that this kid like he calls her name and comes running before she's even had a chance to come around the corner of the house for him to actually see her pretty close to it yeah like he is on it and he's running (laughs) i think maybe he could see her at an
0: angle and there's no one else outside so maybe it drew his attention but yeah he does kind of lead with his voice before he's even in the
1: shot yeah but it establishes the relationship nicely you know the babysitter baby city, I guess you yeah. call him a uh, relationship that I think works nicely here and I actually think that the barren nature of the street, you know, I, I don't know how busy these streets are really in Pasadena, but they did a great job of keeping it like any cars that are out there are really far away. Yeah, You know, there's just nothing happening here. Yeah, you don't have many extras
0: in the movie until they wanted them. Right.
1: Like the trick-or-treaters,
0: and there's hardly any adults in the movie at all. Yeah, right. The busiest we get is when they're by the hardware store.
1: No, I, I think the carpenter did a good job. And they also picked a good, uh, you know... Obviously, I don't know when, what days they shot it or how well they planned it, but I mean, they have that great kind of overcast look. And even if they don't have that many leaves on the ground, at least the the kind of that grayish sky, at least that kind of helps lend to the feel of that kind of autumn vibe that they're going for. Which is
0: actually unusual because it was May in California. It'd be like bright. Oh, was it really? Maybe they just got lucky or wow they write filters on i don't
1: know yeah i'm not sure it doesn't look filtered though because no you don't see shadows on the ground really like it looks like it's just overcast
0: i think the one the only scene where we really get sunlight is and
1: i wonder how many days they shot they
0: shot for 21 days
1: now do you know how many of those were day shooting versus night shooting
0: uh not exactly but i think it would have been about half and half or maybe a little bit more
1: night yeah i would think it would be a little more night but i guess once you once you're interiors then you can probably fake that pretty well
0: well they were filming in real houses though so then you got to block out the windows yeah i mean they could do
1: that yeah well it is a uh it's a very sparse minute but i think that just you know I, i don't know there's jamie lee curtis has a presence and i know she wasn't carpenter's first choice in fact i i think that it gosh what was it it was like the 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 daughter of the lady who was in Lassie, I think. Yeah. That Carpenter wanted another.
0: And then there like, was, and there was some other girl who he didn't even know her name
1: later in commentary tracks. He saw some girl on a TV show and was like, "She'd be good."
0: Well, it's just that yeah, they ended up with.
1: Yeah, I mean casting Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, was just such a great move. I mean, she just has that presence. And, I mean, a lot of people come from famous families, famous acting families, who don't necessarily have the acting chops. Yeah. But I think that she really just carries it. And like we were saying, I mean, you don't have a great sense of connection to her as the protagonist from the shots, the way that he shot it. You know, she's never very close to the camera. She's just kind of walking away from us through this whole thing. Yeah, for this walk. But there's still enough of a presence with her where you still feel like you know, drawn to her as your as somebody of interest.
0: This scene was also the first day of shooting, according to Jamie Lee Curtis in the commentary. Oh, interesting! It was her and Ben Brian Andrews walking down Meridian.
1: Oh, right, because they had to shoot the house out, right? Didn't they have to shoot all well, all of the stuff with the Myers house because then they had to um, clean but it they up? They cleaned
0: it up on that was for the last like day of shooting when they filmed the opening sequence where the house looks right, right, right
1: nice back in the 60s how old is michael myers supposed to be now because he was this is 15 years he's
0: credited at 23 but they specifically say he was six so he should be 21 interesting
1: he is a beefy 21 year old
0: (laughs) especially for just sitting around in a sanitarium every day as the movie presents it right (laughs) exactly looking in from in my notes for when she she asked tommy if he ever thought of killing someone and i can't Oh, it's next minute. Okay. I'll get to it
1: then. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. This one, we don't really get a whole lot other than them coming together. And then he asks a million questions about, can yeah. we do this? Can we make Jack-o'-lanterns? jack, we can, jack, watch jack can we uh... you read to me? <laughs> make popcorn. And it, that's, that's also interesting. Cause we're, again, we're just looking at the back of her head through that whole thing. It's really like we're focusing on Tommy through that whole inner,
0: which is also interesting. Cause Michael follows Tommy first later so it kind of connects them both and we don't know what's going on here what michael is going to do
1: yeah right interesting it's a nice setup yeah it is and it also kind of goes to because i think it was carpenter who when the movie came out i feel like a lot of critics had talked about it being you know this the whole thing about you know the virgin survives those who weren't you know who were screwing around they're the ones who get killed yeah but that i think also Lens to it that you know he's—it's not necessarily about you know virginal. It's just kind of you know youthfulness or something that that he's following. Like he sees Tommy yeah. and he follows him True. too.
0: And Carpenter's specific thing for this movie is that he doesn't say it's because she's a virgin. It's because it's more about she was paying attention just by like of yeah. being busy babysitting and taking care of a kid. She noticed things. Right. While Linda and Annie are too distracted. Yeah. Later, slasher films would reinforce the idea that yes, yeah. if you sin. If you have sex, if you do drugs, you're going to die. But Laurie even smokes a joint later.
1: Yeah, it seems like that whole that whole idea of that was born from this film, but it, it never really seemed like right. it was actually from this film. Like this film didn't seem to go to that length. But you look at the Friday the 13th series, or, or like you said, the later Halloween films, that is kind of the crux of the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, you, you know, screw around. And even, I mean, even going all the way up to the modern films, like it follows and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's the it's, point
1: it's a huge thing in the horror genre
0: yeah but the first halloween doesn't have it that much but then you get friday the 13th plays that up and by the time you get to halloween 2 you've i think you've already had friday the 13th part 2 you've had a bunch of other copycat slasher films it's a thing by the time they make halloween 2 and so they have to include it yeah but here yeah even though it's born here as you said it's not necessarily happening here huh
1: really interesting
0: do we know what grade Lori's in? The movie doesn't say, but she is supposed to be
1: 17. Okay, so. So like a junior. Kind year. of that junior-senior range. Because she's got a few books, but she's not carrying a whole lot of stuff to school. Yeah. No, <laughs> not too much. Here's
0: more home, I think. Yeah. But yeah, she's supposed to be 17. I heard a thing talking about this movie today, or more about the second one, and how old she would have been when Michael killed his Big sister. And they're like, did his parents have another kid after that? Like, no. She would have been a toddler. Possibly huh. even in the house at the time. But that's part of the larger story
1: from the later movies. Huh. In this one, she's just Laurie Strode. Right, right. Well, I'll have to... Because uh, yeah, you said it's the second one where that fact comes out, right? That she's a sister, yeah. Yeah. Does that stay um, canon? It
0: Not forever. Um, that stays through six. And then when they bring Jamie Lee Curtis back, because... War establishes that she died in, like, a car accident. And so the main character of the fourth one is her daughter, who has also been adopted. And when Michael finds out she's alive, he comes to try to kill her. Mm-hmm. But when they got Jamie Lee Curtis back for H20, they just ignored those and said she'd been hiding under a different name since 1978.
1: Oh, okay. I couldn't remember that from H20. I don't think I'd seen that since it was in theaters. I think I've only seen it
0: twice. I saw it in the theater and then I watched it for my blog.
1: Ah, uh because gotcha. i watched all
0: of them again i did a month of slasher films that's fun oh yeah so at the end of this minute we have tommy's questions as you said the last one can we make popcorn laurie says sure 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 and the minute ends laurie and tommy are still crossing magnolia headed south on meridian and south pasadena they're just half a block from the Myers house and that is all for minute
1: 13, really. Lucky number 13. You something else on this minute. Nope,
0: that's all I had. Okay, now, Andy, if the listeners want to stalk you, where can they go to do that? <laughs> like your home address, <sighs> your regular
1: hangouts, that kind of stuff. All that fun stuff. Uh, they can head over to thenextreel.com, um, or they can search for the podcast under The Next Reel on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, all those places, Pinterest? and of course any podcatcher of your choice. You have a Pinterest, Pinterest, for yeah. We post movie posters up there. Nice. So yeah, we're all over the place. So uh, yeah, but we uh, we have not covered any of the Halloween films, but um, we have done a number of horror uh, series and films. And so, um, if you're interested in horror or uh, just talking uh, long, spoilery conversations about movies, then uh, yeah, I love check us out.
0: Long, spoilery conversations
1: about movies. <laughs> Well, clearly we do, too, because we've been doing it for, gosh, six years now? Wow. Six and a half, something like that? I'm only
0: just starting doing it in this format.
1: I did it on a blog for years. Now this. And now the Movie by Minute podcast. Yeah. There it
0: is. Anyway, the Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk us on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute, or join our Facebook listeners group, 45 Lane. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you.